Do you want to run further and faster and recover quicker and easier? Do you want to feel healthier than you've ever felt before? You need to make a change, and that's what Inside Tracker is all about. Founded by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometric data from MIT, Tufts, and Harvard, Inside Tracker is a personalized health and wellness platform like no other. What's their secret? First, Inside Tracker uses its patented algorithm to analyze your body's data and offer you a clearer picture than you've ever had before of what's going on inside you. Then, Inside Tracker provides you with a concrete, science-backed, trackable action plan for reaching your performance goals and being your healthy best. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering the ultimate prize package giveaway exclusive for my listeners of More Than Running. One lucky winner will get over $1,500 in Inside Tracker value. To enter, just go to insidetracker.com slash Dana, because change is an inside job. Welcome back to another episode of More Than Running with Dana. This week's guest is Grayson Murphy. Grayson is a multi-talented athlete. She is a trail athlete, a track athlete. She originally started in soccer. She cross-country skis on the side. After transitioning from being a collegiate soccer player, Grayson discovered running, and then she eventually transferred schools and found success at the University of Utah. After becoming a several-time All-American in steeplechase, she graduated and joined NAZLE. Realizing it wasn't the right choice for her, Grayson decided to make a change. She signed a contract with Saucony, and they started exploring the trail world with much success. Grayson now lives and trains in Bozeman, Montana. Grace and I talk about how she manages her time, mostly training alone, her interests outside of running, and how she sees those pairing with her running career in the future. This episode will come out after Grayson recently races a track race after having very limited access to a track all winter in Bozeman. So we're excited to see how Grayson does. I had an awesome time on this episode because I've seen Grayson grow her social media presence through selling her yearly calendars, sharing sustainability efforts, and so many of the things that I think she embodies the spirit of more than running. Welcome, Grayson, to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of More Than Running with Dana Giordano. I'm your host, Dana, and this week's guest is Grayson Murphy. Welcome, Grayson. Thank you so much for having me. Grayson, you are currently in another chilly place. I'm residing here in Boston and you are in, you seem to be having, having very similar struggles this winter that I am. So tell the audience, the listeners a little bit about like your training setup right now and how you've been getting through the winter. Oh yeah. So it's been tough for sure. <laughs> Had a lot of days, even this morning, where I, it's just so hard to get out. Um, I don't have a treadmill right now because Apparently, they're really hard to come by, and they're all sold out, so that's been hard to get a hold of one, and with COVID, there is an indoor facility here at the Montana State University, but they're not letting anyone on it because of COVID, so uh, yeah, it's been hard to find like a track surface or just any like dry, not icy, snowy surface to run on. Um, yeah, so lots of tough days, but it looks like Things are starting to look up. The spring is only a couple weeks away, hopefully, fingers crossed. So it shouldn't be too much longer. Yeah. So you attended the University of Utah. So you're not afraid of a snowy winter. What (laughs) is 
what's different about this winter? I know here in Boston, we have a same, similar situation where there's no indoor tracks and it kind of seems like that was, you know, you, on the hard days, you just go inside and you never mm-hmm. even realized how many of those days that there were. So how does this compare to previous winters? I think I'm realizing, at least in Bozen, compared to Salt Lake, it's a lot colder here and it stays a lot colder. So in Salt Lake, it definitely warms up to where you can get things at least melting. But here, it just stays so cold for so long that things don't even melt. Um, So that's been kind of weird to deal with. And then Salt Lake is a little better about like snow removal. And the Montana people seem like they're like, oh, just two feet of snow. We'll just drive on it. And they like just drive on like the streets are mostly covered all winter in snow. Like you don't see pavement. And that's new for me because Salt Lake people, their plows like waiting to plow as soon as it's forecasted to snow. So that's been an adjustment for sure. I hope you have a car that's able to handle that because I don't know if I could drive on two (laughs) feet of snow. Yeah, I just stay in the house. (laughs) So in Salt Lake, your experience there, definitely a warmer winter. Is it also a lower elevation than Bozeman? It's actually about the same. I think it's just so much further north in Montana that it just, for some reason, it must be like the jet stream keeps it a lot colder. Are there any days that you're like, okay, I can't run, but cross-country skiing? I know you mostly through social media, so most of my assumptions are going to be through that. So (laughs) you feel free to correct me, but I'm very impressed by this cross-country skiing ability here. So is there a (laughs) cross-country skiing conversion for cross-training to running? Hmm. I guess in college, my coach would say like 15 minutes of cross training is about a mile of running. So if you did it that way, like an eight hour run would be like two hours of cross training or an eight mile run. Um, Sounds like that's a long run. I know. (laughs) Um, I guess I just kind of go for like feel if I was supposed to do an hour and a half run, then an hour and a half, like as long as my heart rate gets to where it needs to be, it doesn't really matter what activity it is. So that kind of helps. And the ski trails are right next to my house. So it's kind of nice to just walk over with skis if I can't get out to run. That sounds really lovely. Well, the way I'm thinking of this podcast today is I want to jump in a little bit on the running side and then get to the more than after. So on the running side, I'm very interested in you because it seems like you kind of have these very diverse interests of training for a track race this weekend. You're a long-distance trail runner. You've done the steeplechase. You're doing a 5K. Where is that? Where does that inspiration come to keep your foot on the track? Is it the Olympic trials driving you, or is it you know do you have some unfinished business? Probably a little bit of both. I do think I like I left the track and it wasn't because I had stopped improving. I left the track with like a 50 second 10k PR. So it was just kind of a a point in life that the track had become not a fun experience for me. Um, But the track itself and racing on it is, I still think, fun and something that I still want to pursue further because I think I have a lot more to give in that. And then I think, like, the trail stuff is just fun. I think it all kind of revolves around it's just, like, fun. And I... I like to mix it up and I don't have a problem adjusting and trying new things and I get bored pretty easy. So that helps me kind of stay engaged. Um, If I have to have like an intense focus 
for four months, I can kind of handle that and then switch to a new discipline. But I'm not a person that can just do like track for 12 months out of the year because I just get sick of it. So for me, it's kind of like a fun thing, but also a way where I think I can get the best out of myself. So how did you manage that collegiately where you are? I guess cross country is that little bit of breakup. Was that enough of a, okay, this is different enough from track that I'm able to stay energized the whole year? Yeah, I think so. And I think with track too, like I was doing steeple, like you said, and then 10K and 5K. So I think having like three events to kind of mix it up too was really useful (laughs) to just make sure I wasn't getting stuck in a rut with something. So tell us a little bit about, I know that you're, we know that you're in Montana, but a little bit about your training setup right now. Who's coaching you? Who do you mostly run with? And how that looks and how you expect it to look once this pandemic is over. <laughs> yeah. Um, so coaching right now, I'm with my uh, college coach um, for the track season. And then for trail season, I'll transition back to David Roche and he'll help me with that and that will be more in the fall um and then I run mostly alone I would say and then some days I try to run as much as I can with McKenna Morley and she's here training and living too but she runs with the um, MSU team because that coach is coaching her so it's kind of like a mosaic of just stitching together like when can we match up and run together and then otherwise I just have to kind of do it myself which has been hard. (laughs) It's kind of like something I'm not sure I would totally recommend to people if it's not um, necessary. Like if you can, I would recommend definitely having more people around and to run with and like a coach in person would be nice too. Yeah. It seems like Bozeman's a relatively underrated place to train. I feel like there's the Flagstaffs, which you trained in for a year with Nazalite. There's mm-hmm. other pockets of, you know, high density running, but it seems like the couple places you've trained in, in Utah, for example, and in Bozeman, like those are both fabulous pla- minus the winner, fabulous places to run, but it doesn't seem like that draws a lot of people in. Why do you think that is? I, don't, I honestly don't know. I think Salt Lake is a great place. I don't know why more. I mean, people do training camps there. I know Bowerman um, they use the Utah track quite a bit in the summers usually, and then they stay in Park City. And I know Park City draws a lot of people, but it's usually for just camps. Like no one stays, which I don't totally understand. I wish they would. Um, and then Bozeman, the winter is harsh, so I would say probably not the winter months aren't a great chance to train here. But um, summer months, it was gorgeous, perfect weather all the time. And you're at 5,000 feet. So it's really nice for elevation stuff. So I don't know, I think maybe they're just not as well known or just, I think maybe the lack of people to begin with is kind of like a vicious cycle that then no one comes because no one's there. Mm -hmm. So that probably plays into it too. So what is your ideal training setup if you had one? I know you said training alone is really hard. So is it you know, I just need one person to be here with me, or is it kind of that structured group like Nazali, but just in a different place with more of a different mentality? Yeah, I think mentality for sure is a big one. I would start with that because I think having people of similar mindset and just life values outside of running is really important to make it successful. So um, I would definitely want people that 
also enjoy other activities like skiing if they have to or if they want to even and camping and not always focusing everything on running because I like to do things outside of running a lot (laughs) and then I would love to have people to run with like most days but I can and do enjoy runs by myself too so even if it was like half the week I ran alone or had to and then had people for the other days particularly the workout days um that would be really nice and then I think another ideal in my mind would be having a coach present um just to it's really nice when you have someone that's like oh your arm is sticking out like poke Mm -hmm. it in or like you're looking kind of funny like your left foot's swinging out I don't know something like cues like that where right now no one has seen me run in a pretty long time so I might look ridiculous and I have no (laughs) idea (laughs) yeah I think we all kind of have that you know we idealize these you know, that group seems the best. And it's really, there's no perfect situation. There's nothing that's perfect for anyone. And I think that from the outside, because of social media, we can make things look so good. And I think that everyone struggles in their own way because this is a really hard sport. You know, it is, I I quote this all the time. I think I said it in another podcast Mm -hmm. recently, but Jenny Simpson said, it's not normal to want to run every single day. And (laughs) hearing her say that, I was like, yes, that's completely right. So I really enjoy hearing you talk about that you have these (laughs) other activities that you like to do. And I think sort of that some of that's coming back in. It's I think it's unnatural to be nose to the grindstone all the time without giving yourself a little bit of a break. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I when I'm older, I definitely want to remember this experience. But I also want to have memories of camping with friends and trying like water skiing or something and not being nervous or being bummed that I didn't try because I was nervous of how it would affect my training because I think in 30 years my memories are what's going to be what I'm happier about not like remembering the training I did that day. So do you do downhill skiing is the question. I don't really. Um, I did in high school but I get too cold and I just don't like waiting in lines. (laughs) So it's not my favorite. So it's not a fear thing. It's a cold thing. Yeah. (laughs) If I didn't have to wait in a line and could stay warm the whole time, I would do it. But that's why I like cross-country skiing because you just keep moving the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities between the East Coast and kind of that, you know, cross-country skiing. The school that I went to, I went to Dartmouth. So there's a lot of one of the few schools that had that type of culture of cross-country skiing. And we would have all those cross-country skiers where in the summer we'd be all be training out at the same time and they'd be doing their roller skiing and super long runs. It's like, you guys train way more than us. This is a much harder sport than running. Yeah. Yeah. My boyfriend's a professional cross-country skier and seeing his teammates and him train, I always think, oh my gosh, I'm not doing nearly enough. They're doing twice as much training as I am. (laughs) They're out for like five hours a day. They're crazy. Yeah, I think they keep their heart rate a little bit lower, though, hopefully. <laughs> so this is a question I've wanted to ask for a long time, but okay. where did you find the name Racin Grayson? And do people think your name is Racin? Um, <laughs> yes. And so I found it. I can't totally take credit. At Santa Clara, it was the school that I started running at. Um, one of my teammates 
Amia Nash, if you're listening to this, <laughs> she called me like Racing Grayson once or twice, I think. And then it kind of was like a team inside joke. And because when I got to that school, I wasn't a runner. I like really didn't know what I was doing. I just joined the team because I wanted like a social life and friends. Um, so it's like after a year, I was like, oh, that will be funny. I'll change my Instagram name to that. Um, so totally her idea. So thank you, Amia. And then people sometimes do, I think, think my name is Rayson, which doesn't really make sense because I've never met anyone like who named Rayson. <laughs> and why would their last uh, name I don't know either, but I think it's <laughs> – yeah, it's kind of funny because I think people make – this is a st- switching to a little bit of a different topic though, but I think people make – very large assumptions based on social media, especially mm-hmm. when you're someone who's putting themselves out there and adopting that personality of, okay, I'm going to share more. Is that something that comes naturally to you or do you have to like push yourself to post and kind of tell your story? Um, I would say I'm pretty naturally open that way. Like I talk the same way to my friends and family. I think my family has a big part to do with that. It's always been raised to just be really open and communicative with each other about even hard stuff. So that's been helpful. And then just kind of going through life, you learn that that is a great way to connect with friends as well. And just kind of not only help yourself, but help other people. And then it translates to social media too. And there are definitely days it's not, it's a job for sure. And like, I don't always want to be sharing and it does feel not ingenuine, but sometimes forced or like I need to share more than I would normally. Um, but I think in the end, I realize like it's pretty, to me, it feels worth it if I can at least mm-hmm. relate to or help with or inspire like one person to choose a better path, um, then that is worth it to me. Yeah, that's really inspiring. And I think it takes those moments of authenticity that you're like, you have that little nervousness of posting and then you do and you get such nice comments. And you're like, why was I ever nervous in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. You realize people, that's kind of what they want to hear. They want you to be your authentic self. Um, and if I think it comes through when you're sharing, if it's truly authentic, people see that and they'll really reward you for it and make sure you feel heard and seen and supported too. And it's very kind of a good cycle to go through, like reciprocative. That's a word, reciprocal. What is the stuff that you're like the most excited about sharing? Is it kind of the non-running bit? Is it work that you're doing with your sponsors? Is it just being outdoors? Like what are you the most excited to share with? I'm going to call them your fans because they are. (laughs) Um, I would say like true things that I feel like are helpful. So if that's like sharing about mental health, because that's something I really don't care talking about. It doesn't bother me one way or another. And But if I can say, yeah, I was feeling anxious today. And then someone who's never been in a position to share that or been raised in such a way where that's, they were felt supported for feeling that way. Um, if I can like be that person for them, that makes me kind of excited. And then I guess issues too that are important outside of running, like the climate issues and working with POW has been really fun. Um, 
Can kind you explain what that is for our listeners? What oh, is yeah. now? Um, protect our winters. They're climate activists, I would say, but they focus on individual efforts and then also lobbying for like legislation and policy making, and just they have an action fund too, where they can contribute money and charitable donations to various climate action oriented organizations. So, yeah, I think they're fun to work with because that's a thing that I'm passionate about outside of running and just in life in general. Um, So stuff like that, I would say. And then I do like sharing running too, um, but that's kind of more of like a thing I do more as fun than like climate activism, which is more of a like passion. (laughs) Yeah, I think that there are more people in the Strava group that's like called the Athlete Activist. And I think it's such, it just pairs together so well, the people Mm -hmm. and that authenticity that you spoke about really comes through of, you know, you're constantly in the outdoors, you're experiencing it, you're, you know, taking from that and you want it to be there for your kids in the future. And I think that when people like you in your position can share that, it's really powerful. So how did you originally get connected with POW? I knew they're pretty active in Salt Lake, even when I was growing up in middle school and high school. So I knew of them for a while. And then as an athlete, I just realized I aligned with like a lot of what they were trying to do. And I'm getting my master's degree in sustainable natural resources. So that kind of also really ties in. And then I figure like, why wouldn't I try and work with them? Because combining voices can be a lot more powerful than just working alone. Um, so I reached out to them last fall and just said, I, I'll do what you need. Let me help you. I want to help. And I'm passionate about the same things that you're working towards. So I think it'd be a good fit for both of us. So this major that you're not major, it's a master's degree. How did you decide that I want to go back to school? You do you already have a master's degree? Did you do a fifth year? Is this your second master's degree? <laughs> I wish. This is my first master's degree. My undergrad was in civil and environmental engineering, so it was a little related. And then I just – I didn't totally want to be – I've had a couple engineering jobs since I graduated while I've been running, and they've been part-time, but they've all been, like, very on-the-computer-focused, which a lot of engineering is, unfortunately – And I didn't really love that, but there were parts of the environmental side of things I did like. So the master's degree is kind of a focus, hyper focus on the stuff that I did like out of the environmental engineering. And then I'm hoping I can kind of push my way towards a career that is a little more outside in the field, like outdoor focused, as opposed to just computer work for an engineering firm. When you think about your career, is running always paralleling aligned with it? Is that when you think about your running career, is this something that you think you're going to be doing for a very, very long time? Or, you know, there's the things you want to accomplish within running. And once you do those, then you'll transition to something else. Or I'm always going to be doing both things because I'm this whole person and I have my (laughs) hands in different buckets. Yeah, I think I'm more of the hands in all the buckets person and just I don't really have any concrete goals that would stop my running career. Um, I just and I think it's an evolution. You just continue to improve. It's a journey like there's no end point to it. So, yeah, I think I'll stay in running as long as I can and my body lets me. And 
I think with trails too, like that extends things a lot further than maybe just a track or road career. Um, so yeah, I think I just like having a lot of interests and I think that's the way that I function the best. So if I can keep kind of having both parallel and maybe at points like the running will be more of the backseat driver and then more of a professional career in front where right now it's probably the opposite. I could see that happening, but I think just moving forward, I'm open to just kind of a lot of um, options and opportunities and I'm not going to end something just because I accomplished one goal. Yeah, that's very refreshing to hear. You know, I think a lot of people have these strict markers. I'm going to do this first and then I'm going to do that and I'm going to do that. So it's yeah. nice to have this open-ended outlook on your running and career and being able to do both at the same time. I think that's a little bit more relatable to a lot of our listeners who are in college. You know, very few people become a professional runner. So I think that's a great mentality for a younger runner who wants to keep running in their life in some extent that you can have both experiences. Oh yeah, totally. And like Kira Damato is a great, I hope I said her name, her last name, right? <laughs> sorry, Kira. Um, a great example. She's so nice. Of, she would not care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, sorry. Um, but she's a great example too of like, it doesn't have to be a linear trajectory either. And you can like, take breaks and just have things in between and have kids and have a career and then come back to it later. It doesn't have to be this perfect linear trajectory that everything works out in order as exactly as you wanted it to. And yeah, I think a lot of people always ask, what are your running career goals, like lifetime goals? And I know for a lot of people, it's like make the Olympics or make a US team or make the trials or something. And I think for me, that might be like a season goal, but I'm not going to pin my whole career on something like that. I think for me, it's more of like, oh, I just want to feel fulfilled and like I gave it my all and kind of had fun with it too. And just can look back on the whole experience with good memories. And like, I learned a lot and I don't have to pin it on one result necessarily. What advice would you give to someone who's in a situation that they don't, that they're not happy in. I know that you've transferred schools, you made some changes in your own professional career. What are those inflection points that you've noticed and what's made it easier making a change and feeling confident in that change? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess first piece of advice is there's always going to be someone that disagrees with what you think you want to do and they're always going to be haters so just know that from the get-go and just kind of like put it aside because they're always going to be there no matter what you choose um and then I guess second would be put yourself first always and know that I've learned that if I put my happiness first everything else will fall into place even if that means making a couple people upset along the way um, but then usually those people come back, it might be a year or two later, but then they say, wow, you've done so well and you were right. And it was pretty clear that you made the right decision. You just have to be willing to deal with in that moment them being unhappy. Um, I've had that happen a couple of times with coaches or teammates, and but then they, they come around. Um, so yeah, people come around. And I think too, whatever you're doing, whether it's running or your professional career or school, I think if you are happy and just 
not even happy, but fulfilled, you'll tend to do better and be a lot more successful, even if that means running track and trails, because who does that? But um, for me, I think that that just means I'm happier and I'll do better if I can do that than just focusing on just track or just trails, because that's what people say you should do. So try and kind of tone out the background noise and focus on if what you think is good for you, go for it and just don't think about what other people are saying. Yeah, you remind me a lot too of Molly Seidel has kind of made that transition. <laughs> we were running last year before the Olympic trials and she's like, oh yeah, I skinned up the mountain this morning and then yeah. I skied <laughs> down and I was like, you're in the middle of an Olympic trials marathon. Build. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, that's insane. And she's like, I have to. Like, if I don't, I will lose my, I won't be happy and then I won't be running well. So yeah. it's, I trust my body enough to be able to do this and it keeps me happy. And I think it's kind of hard sometimes for people to, when you're in this routine and everyone's doing the same thing, to remember what makes you happy and makes you feel alive. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that could be a downside of teams, going back to the team thing, is it is hard not to get caught up in what other people are telling you is right and kind of the culture of that team and remember what makes you happy as an individual and kind of ground yourself in that. It's good to keep that in focus as you move forward. So in Bozeman, there's, as you said, there's not too many people that run, but there are a lot of people who ski. And we have um, a mutual friend, uh, Natalie Flowers, and kind of some skier people. And I was just kind of wondering how you have integrated yourself into this cool Bozeman community, because it's always been something that I've looked at from afar being like, you know, the Flowers girls just look like they have so much fun out there and now they're dabbling <laughs> in running. And I'm like, this is such a small world. Uh-huh. Yeah. I So Erica is Natalie's sister and I've run with her quite a few times and her husband is my boyfriend's coach. So it's a very small circle and I see them a lot. Um, so it's been fun to kind of learn the Nordies have a different training perspective. You kind of mentioned earlier, they keep their heart rates really low. So it's interesting to train. Sometimes in the summer, I'll go do some sessions with them and they'll do like a three or four hour run, but really easy. But it's like four hours that you're out there or like a five hour bike ride. And it's nice to have their, it's refreshing to have their perspective on training because it's a lot different and less intense than running is. Um, and just makes you realize there are a lot of ways to get fit. And it doesn't always mean running your heart rate super high and um, going as hard as you can. Sometimes that means taking it easy and eating snacks while you're running and just enjoying the views. So it's been fun. And I think it's cool to have like a holistic perspective. Um, and then both the Natalie, or Natalie and Erica, they've been in the sport for so long not just running, but skiing too. I think they kind of have a wise perspective on just in general, like women in sports and what that means and what it looks like and how to be successful doing it. Yeah, I definitely think they, for the listeners that don't know, these are two women who attended Dartmouth and they have continued within the sport after graduating. And I think that's something that's always been really inspiring to me is how people, you know, whether you're defined truly as a professional, how you bring mm -hmm. that into your career and how you make it a lifestyle. And I think that it's becoming a lot more normalized now for people to, you know, train at a higher level with a job and kind of 
create that atmosphere and being able to meet new people along the way. And I think that's something that I would like to continue along the way. And through this podcast, I've been able to virtually, but, you know, create (laughs) so many connections with people far and wide that I think that that's one of the main reasons I love the running community is that you just get to experience so many people with different perspectives. Right. Yeah. It's super valuable in anything that you do to have a diversity of perspectives. So switching back to running for a second, let's talk about this podcast is going to come out after, but you're about Mm -hmm. to run a track 5k Uh in Austin, (laughs) Texas. Yes. Tell us about your expectations. When this comes back, we're going to revisit this and be like, man, Grayson hit all of her goals. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. Um, I I don't know quite what to expect. It's been with the winter here, it's been a little hard to get a gauge on like what kind of shape I'm in. Um, like on a couple of days ago, I had to do a workout in lane six and we were like trying to Google like how many laps of lane six equals 1K and it was like 2.28. And so we had to just kind of guesstimate um, where that would be on the track. So yeah, I think it will be interesting. I'm excited. I haven't been on the track in since 2019. Um, that was my last track race, so almost two years ago now. And I haven't run a 5K on the track since college. Um, so just like a lot of things that I haven't done in a long time. So totally don't know what to expect. But I think it'll just be good to kind of get back into what it feels like to race on the track and kind of it's more of an exploratory race this go around and then I can adjust my goals from there for the rest of the season kind of what I think is reasonable and hopefully also have some dry ground to run on when I get back (laughs) how would you describe your typical racing style on the track I think I'm I'm more of a rhythm runner and I think that's why the 10k and I don't know why steeple worked really, but yeah, I think for me, like running even splits kind of hard from the get-go is more my thing than trying to like sit and kick because I'm not, I'm not going to win in a kick. I just, I don't have that gear. Um, So for me, I just, it's got to be like kind of a war of attrition and just from the beginning kind of set a pace and that's kind of I race besides trails maybe and all the other disciplines too is just kind of more even and um yeah I don't I wouldn't call myself the gutsiest track racer but maybe I can work on that (laughs) yeah what is one thing that you're excited about for this weekend and one thing that you're nervous about um I'm excited to maybe come home with a pb and what's your current pb my so I've been going off my indoor one because um, I haven't run an outdoor track 5K in like three or four years. And my indoor one's 1544. My outdoor one's like 1558. So I think I could do that one. So at least get an outdoor PB. <laughs> and then um, I think I am most nervous about just running with people. I haven't done a workout with anyone in so long that it might be kind of weird. I don't know what to expect on that front, but I'm hoping it will make it feel easier than running solo. And yeah, the pain of the track is a little different than a lot of other races. So that's always kind of looming overhead, but I think it should be outweighed by the good stuff, hopefully. That's great. 
I ran a 5K back in December and it was very similar. That I think I had a pretty similar like 5K PR too where I was like, I haven't done this in so long. I have no idea what to expect. I haven't been on a track in a million years. And it was one of those things that like when you're strong, you're strong. And then you're like, oh, I'm totally fine. And then you get yeah. to a certain point in the race and you're like, that's the track. That's the pain. <laughs> yeah. you finally hit me, but you just don't know when. So you're hoping totally. you're strong enough that you can get to the point where it's like the last two laps. Yeah. Carry through. That's really hopeful and because you did awesome in December. So I hope that I have the same experience. Yeah. I think having all these like weird COVID you know, I never would have expected to have, you know, it's February in Bozeman, February in Boston. These are hard places to train. But I think that, you know, memory is short when it comes to winters, especially when Mm -hmm. summers are spectacular in places. (laughs) So you don't realize how much ice there is and how an indoor track is truly so valuable. (laughs) Yeah. I've never missed indoor track so much. (laughs) And I don't even like indoor track. I don't either. (laughs) So on the other end of this pandemic, my last couple of questions are about this. What are, I know we talked a little bit about running goals, so we're putting that aside for a second. Let's talk about, you are also an entrepreneur. I'm going to call you that. I think that you have your journals that you sell every year. um, They've evolved over time. And do you have a goal for how you see selling those journals, what that can become for the audience that's listening? You can explain it better than me, but from what I'm understanding, they're, you know, goal setting and mental health resources within them and just kind of a guide throughout the whole year from your personal experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, I think just to explain them a little more, they're like training logs and planners combined um, because I realized personally that I I have a lot going on, like this podcast, for example, um, that's just not part of my training, but that doesn't mean it's less important. And I would like to have a place to kind of put them all, put everything in one place, have my training and my to-do list for the day in one book. And because that's my life, it's not like I need one book for one part of my life and then another book for another one. And I think too, for me, I realized staying organized and the goal setting piece and like habit tracking and just that helps a lot with personally my anxiety of not getting overwhelmed with like these big scary goals if you can break it down into small bite-sized chunks uh, and staying organized too lessens that and then I think as far as like expanding that goes I just I like to sell them um I get a lot from them too I personally like I get a lot of reviews and just talking to people and hearing that they are helpful or that people like them and that it's a product that they value has been really cool. So even for that alone, I'd like to keep doing it and um, just kind of expanding the audience I can reach with them. And I've been trying to think of like ways to add on or make little, like, I don't know if I totally want a product um, that you buy because I'm, I'm definitely not trying to like suck everyone's money from them. So I would like it to be meaningful. And um, so I've been trying to think of a way to kind of do that. That's not, it, it's meaningful and mm-hmm. not just like a, a t-shirt or like a sticker or something. I want it to be. I think it falls in the sustainability category too. And I, yeah. I definitely feel that as well, that it's hard to, you know, you have to, it's something that aligns with who you are and your values, but it's also a sustainable resource that's helpful mm-hmm. to people. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to be like t-shirts, for example, I would love to have t-shirts, but I, I also don't want to contribute to, I know clothing is like a big polluter for carbon greenhouse gases and it's just not a sustainable industry right now. And I don't want to be just one more t-shirt maker that people buy and it just, cause I have a box of t-shirts of, that I don't even wear. Um, so that's less meaningful to me than if I can make like a product you use every day and that kind of enhances your quality of life. Um, yeah, so it's kind of a work in progress and something I started just for fun that has morphed into a really fulfilling enterprise. When does the kind of the planning for the next year start? So for the 2022 planner, are you creating that now or is it kind of what is the timeline? Because you're you've had three years of the planner. And, you know, I should probably buy one because I'm a mess as well. Like my organization's like, yeah, it's in the brain for sure. <laughs> I've never kept a training log. Don't tell my coaches. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, they, I usually start in July or August. I think this year will be a little later just because I think we've got the format. I work with one of my old teammates from Utah helps me put everything into InDesign to make it print ready. Um, so now we've kind of got the format down after three iterations, or I think it would just be little tweaks and not huge changes. So I think it could take the design process would be a little bit quicker. And do you have other contributors within the journal, like people's quotes or things like that, or any written pieces? What are the kind of extra tidbits that you add in? Oh, yeah. So every week has a motivational quote. Um this week is Allison Desir, which I was really excited about. And I try and this year was fun because I tried to do February for Black History Month. So they're all um, Black leaders in their respective fields and their quotes. And then there's June for Pride Month. Um, Nikki Holtz is one of the quotes. So really excited about that one. Everyone look at June. Um, and then the mental health components, there's like a an exercise every month that's a mental health exercise and those are pulled from kind of all over the place like experiences with my therapist just things that I've learned and grounding exercises um just kind of all over we pulled those and compiled them and then there's some things in the back like books to read and um goals but those are just more blank kind of DIY pages that you can fill in yourself and kind of personalize to what means the most to you and what you're looking forward to. Well, I think my next move is definitely to organize my thoughts and keep purchasing <laughs> yeah. a journal after this conversation. I'm like, wow, that sounds so lovely. I think I need it. <laughs> yes. Have you had anyone who said I've never journaled before and this made it easier for me? That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have a lot of people say that. And it seems like once they get it, get in the hang of it, they're like, wow, I'm never going to stop now. I just have to keep going. <laughs> yeah. I'm always the person that does like, you know, really good for two months and then something comes up. I'm like, oh, and then I have like a million journals with like six pages filled out. Right. Yeah. I think my intention too was, I know you can buy a lot of planners that don't have the dates in it, but then I know personally I would be like, oh, I just, I'll skip some weeks. And then like, pick up where I left off, but this one has, the dates are printed in it. So you can't force you to write in the right spots. You can't skip pages without like looking at a bunch of blank sheets. <laughs> Pressure's on. Love that. So my last question for you is kind of, 
what is an assumption that you think people make about you? And what do you think that, where is that coming from, I guess? Um, well, one that is kind of raw still is I think a lot of people assume um, that I went to trail running because I wasn't good enough to make it on the road or the track. And that's pretty hurtful, I think. Um, but I want them to know that that it's not that I don't think I can be good or make it. I just I want them to know that you can do different things and different disciplines. It doesn't mean you're worse at one um, or that you're not good enough. It just means you like it and that's okay. And I think people should try trail running, trail running before they knock it. Don't knock it till you try it because from the ground, yeah, maybe you look and see, oh, they're running 10 minute pace. That's so slow for their race. But then you're running 10 minute pace up the side of a mountain and it's suddenly not slow and your heart rate's like 190. Like it's not easy. Um, so yeah, I would just say, keep your mind open and don't put people in boxes and trail running is hard and just as respectable and valid of a discipline as track and road running is. And you can be good at all three. I don't think you have to pick one. And just because you trail run doesn't mean you're going to get slow. Well, when I'm looking to do my first trail race, you're definitely going to be the first person that I call up and I'm like, I need advice. Where do I start? <laughs> have people, have, have you converted any of your friends from the track to the trails? Yeah. And I guess McKenna really wants to run trails too now. Um, so we're, I think we'll try this summer after track is over. But yeah, I think people, once you start doing it, you realize how fun it is and that it's actually hard and challenging. And it's just a different type of fun than the track and the road. So yeah, I got you. If you want to run trails, I'll help you. <laughs> you can come to Montana and run for a week. That sounds excellent. Well, thank you so much, Grayson, for coming on. Good luck this weekend. We'll be following up after the race um, when this comes out and wishing you all the best on the track, the trails, skiing and everything that you do. I think that, you know, you really represent being more than running. Thank you so much. That does it for another episode of More Than Running with Dana. This episode was produced by Chris Chavez. You can contact me with any feedback, suggestions for guests, or just to connect and say hi at Dana underscore G-I-O on Instagram at Dana Geo. I love hearing from listeners and receive some great guidance on guests and what you want to get out of the show in the future. If you like the show, it's always greatly appreciated if you leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps some new people discover the show if it ends up on the top charts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time with another story about how she is more than running. I only want a few close friends. The rest just pretend. Alternate people kissing in the stairwell. I want this day to end. Text my mama so I don't lose hope. Didn't learn anything I didn't know Always yelling, get off your phone Screw that, I'm going home Did you hear that? Nah, I'ma take a zero Just call